Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I see two things here, saints. Number one, the deliverance. I bore you on eagle's wings. Secondly, the fellowship. I brought you to myself. God did not deliver Israel so they could do their own thing. Amen. God didn't deliver them so they could come and do their own thing. God delivered Israel so that they would come to him and be his people. Just like God does not deliver us so we can do our own thing. God delivers you. God saves you so that you could be his special people. That you could be his peculiar people, Peter talks about. That word peculiar means unique. It doesn't mean like we think peculiar. Like, you are awfully peculiar. Just strange, dude. You're strange. It means special. It means unique. It means there's only one like you. Unique, peculiar, special people. And God delivers us, saves us from the world, which is Egypt. He saves us so that we can come to him and that we can be his people. He doesn't save us so we can just be nice people. And then someday when we die, we can go to heaven. God doesn't save us for that reason. He saves you for a purpose. He saves you for a purpose so that you can do something for him and make a difference for the kingdom and that you can be his people and used by him for his glory. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for your life. And if you're not doing that, you must be awfully miserable. You must be awfully bored. Remember, I told you, I said, the Christian life is the most exciting thing I've ever experienced. Can I get a witness (laughs) that I've ever experienced? It's exciting. It's more exciting as much as I love the Harvest Crusade. It's more exciting than that because that's for three nights, man. And, and praise God, there's going to be fruit from that. But, but this Christian thing is every day, all day. I've been excited for 24 years. <laughs> I can't even calm down. Sometimes I can't sleep. And, you know, you have times and you have to, amen, Christians, you have times. But it's exciting to be a Christian. That's because God delivered you for a reason. And a purpose to save you and to use your life, the deliverance and then the fellowship. Now, I want you to pay particular attention. Notice in verse four again, because you can see it, this whole picture, and it's very picturesque things. Listen, I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. I want you to see it because you'll see it over and over in the scriptures. And it's such a beautiful statement. Isn't that the most beautiful statement? One of the most beautiful statements in the Bible. I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. That is so beautiful that there are numbers of books written 
on this one statement. Whole books are written on, I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Whole books are written. You can find it in the Bible over and over again. Perhaps you'd like to read it in your own time. We don't have time tonight, but it's in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 9. And you read that in your own time. But it's so many beautiful, many, many books written. Uh, one, one in particular you might be interested in is called uh, Eagle Christian. Perhaps you heard of it. Eagle Christian. And, and here's the idea. Listen, I want you to listen because I spent a good part of the day reading about eagles. <laughs> it's kind of odd, but um, kind of peculiar. But uh, I just kind of got into it and got into it and got into it. And before you know, I was just like soaring on the subject. So I just, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where that came from, man. I'm sorry. But, but notice this here. I want, in the book, uh, Eagle Christian, I want you to listen. Uh, the, the idea of it is um, how a mother eagle would nurture and train her eaglets. And it talks about when the mo- mother eagle uh, would build her nest, she would build it in the side of a cliff and gather sticks. And these sticks would have really sharp points that were pointing in to the nest area. And then the mama eagle, every day she would go out and she would get breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the eagles, for little eaglets. And the eaglets live there in comfort and they begin to grow until mama eagle begins to stir up the nest and suddenly the nest becomes uncomfortable. And mama eagle doesn't want the little eaglets to live in the nest for the rest of their life. And so she stirs up the nest, causing the little eaglet to fall out. And so it can fly. And, and then someone calls Child Protective Services for <laughs> eaglet abuse. And the eaglets fall, get this, hundreds of feet. And they look like they're going to crash down. And then suddenly, get this, Mama Eagle swoops in, swoops down, and catches him and bears him up on her wings and then back to the nest. And then later, Mama Eagle becomes guilty of eaglet abuse again because she kicks the eagle out of the nest again. And there's all kinds of stories. That's just one. There's all kinds of stories on this verse, here on verse 4. Here's one guy who says that the mama eagle builds the nest out of thorns and then lines the nest with rabbit fur. And then suddenly she pulls out the rabbit fur and they get their feet stuck with these pointy ends. And then they finally leave because their feet are, you know, getting hurt. And then one guy says... That if Mama Eagle, if the Mama Eagle, um, if, if she couldn't find any food, that she would pluck on herself until she finally begins to bleed. And then the blood drops into the little eaglet's mouth to, to feed the eaglet. And then they make a picture of Christ. And, you know, there's a book called um, Preaching Types and Metaphors by Keach. 
and, 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 and all of these things. I mean, this verse, I mean, my point is that this verse is so beautiful that many, many people spend a lot of time reading it, studying it, and even writing books about it. You know, I found out it's very interesting that eagles, um, they really are very interesting. And this is what I, I found out the truth is concerning the eagle flying and swooping down and things. I think the truth is this. There's books written about it, but, but here's what I think is true in, in my research. Um, the mama eagle, get this, doesn't actually catch or carry the eaglet. When the eaglet is kicked out of the nest, she actually comes under them, bears them up, and then the eaglet can flap its wings and they begin to fly and they begin to soar together. And the eagle builds their their nest, get this, where there's an updraft on the side of a mountain. And as the sun comes up, there's heat and there's this updraft and they can just kind of step out into the air and put out their wings and begin to soar. And then the baby eagle does what the mama eagle is doing as they're soaring together. And they go back every year. Get this. Eagles. This is very, very interesting. Eagles have in their eyes what is known as pectins, pectins. And these pectins are like um, compasses where they are, they're, they're almost like these little tracking devices. So when an eagle leaves its nest, an eagle can, and they will, come back to their nest that they made in the side of the cliff, they will come back to it every year and continue to build the nest. And these pectins give them that ability to kind of track where they began to build their nest. And people have found nests that are as, as high as 20 feet because they come back every single year and they continue to build on their nest. And, and, and eagles, with their eyes, they can, um, they can see up to one mile away. That's amazing to me. That'd be like somebody opening a newspaper and one mile away you could see that newspaper. Eagles, that's why they can swoon down, swoop down on their prey so quickly and easily and, and because they see it. They're, they're like flying over a mile away and they see dinner. And they see, you know, a mouse or a rat or a rabbit or some kind of rodent from very far away. And they're flying and just soaring over and they're thinking, man, they're probably thinking about that rodent. They're thinking, yeah, he thinks he's slick. Doesn't he? He thinks he's going to get away from me, but he's not. And he just swoops down on him. Eagles are very, very interesting. Here's another interesting thing about eagles. Check this out. Eagles have one mate for their whole life, and they have a marriage ceremony. Go, did y'all know that? I, I didn't until today. I mean, that's kind of interesting. Now, listen to this. When a female eagle is being courted by a male, she will take a weight, something very heavy, and then she'll drop it. And he has to swoop down and catch it. And if he catches it, then she'll go down and get something else. And then she'll fly even lower to the ground. And then she'll get something else and fly even lower and drop it and lower and drop it. And if he's able to catch it each time, he is accepted by her. And then they soar together up thousands of feet in the air. And then the male will come down on her back and right before he hits her, she kind of flips over on her back and they lock together and they just start screaming. 
Wasn't that good? They just, I mean, they just start screaming as they're falling down. They're like, ah! They just start screaming and they're spinning and they've locked their wings and they're kind of spinning around and they're screaming. And I'm thinking that must be their marriage vows. I mean, they're just kind of, they're screaming. And then when they let go, they're married and they stay together for life. Now, humans are different because they don't lock together and start screaming until after the marriage. And then, then, then they start screaming. But, I mean, very, very interesting. But here, I, I mean, I kind of paint all that picture to help you see that as the people of God are in this valley of Sinai and they look up and they see an eagle, this is a very powerful, poignant picture for them. I mean, it's not just like, oh, wow, an eagle. I mean, we'll see one of those very often. This has meaning for them. This, 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 has, this has some substance for them as they would see it. And so God, because God is a great Bible teacher, I think that's safe to say. God is a, a great teacher, and God takes that very natural thing that, that they would see, and he uses it to illustrate to them how much he loves them as they are kind of soaring and making their way out of Egypt. And God says to them, I bore you up on eagle's wings. He's teaching them that as they head out of Egypt, he is the one leading them and bearing them up. Even as they are making their way out of Egypt, God says, I stirred up Egypt so I could cause her to leave the nest and fly out of Egypt. But the whole time, God says, I saw you and I was soaring with you. And God is saying, listen to me closely. God is saying to this nation, to this people and to us tonight that I bear you up on eagle's wings and I lift you up to care for you and to bring you to a safe place. That's what God's saying to us tonight. And I think the lesson for us is that, you know, God is trying to many times in your life. We've been talking about usability and we've been talking about, you know, God using your life and you taking a step of faith and you following what God wants. And a lot of times God is just trying to kick you out of the nest and you find yourself disgruntled or dissatisfied. Or you find yourself where you're you don't feel like the nest is comfortable anymore. And God is simply just trying to get you out of the nest and cause you to fly. You got to be willing to fly because God is simply kicking you out so that he could take you higher and that he could do things better for you in your life. It's going to be better for you. And he's trying to kick you out. And you're like, oh, I don't know, I'm going to stay here. But almost it's like the little eagles, when the little eaglets, when they stay in the nest and they decide they're going to stay there, all they're doing is hurting themselves. Because they keep sticking their foot and they keep hurting themselves. And the mama eagle saying, get out. I want to be free and I want to live in the home by myself for a change. <laughs> Parents, would you say amen? <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like the ever elusive Freedom. And, and, you know, you, you know, it's, you know, God's just trying to do a work in your life. And the only way for God to teach you to fly is sometimes he's got to make it uncomfortable. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Notice in verse five, I'm not doing good with this whole chapter, man, tonight. Notice in verse five. Oh, I don't have much more to say. 
Look at verse 5. God says, if you will obey my voice, three things I tried to point out as we were reading. If you will obey my voice, keep my covenant, then you will be my special treasure. And again, some of your Bible says peculiar treasure. God says, listen, the reason I'm giving you the law is that you might be a special people on the earth, that you might be a special people, a peculiar people, a special treasure. Now, listen, I'm going to say this quickly because I got to move on. But listen, it doesn't matter who doesn't like it. Israel is God's special people. Look, you get to choose your special people. How come God can't choose his? Well, I don't like it. Israel is special people. I mean, I want to be a special people. Well, I don't like God choosing special people. Why God got a partiality and discriminatory and. Wait a minute, you get to choose your special people. How come God can't choose his special people? God can choose his special people and like it or not, Israel is God's special people. Israel, God says, you're the apple of my eye. God says, I got my eye on you, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. But God says, I got my eye on you. And he never takes his eye off the land, the Bible says. And he never takes his eye off the people. God has a covenant with Israel and a plan for them. And they are God's peculiar people. And Christian, listen, you are God's special people as well. You're God's. Peter talks about that, and we can't get into it tonight. But First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you read that in your own time. But Peter talks about the fact that we are peculiar People, and we are a special people and a special treasure unto God. Look at verse 7. So Moses came down, verse 7. So he went up, he came down, and called for the elders. Look at verse 7. And called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. And then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, this we will do. And so Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord, notice he went back up. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. And so Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. And then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people, go back down and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. See, God's already teaching them about purification. Write that in your margin. Purification. God's already teaching them because he's going to give them the law next week when you come back next Wednesday. He's going to give them the law. So God says, tell them to wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall, in verse 12, set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or to touch the base of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. And not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. And when the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. They shall not, notice, they shall not, pardon me, they shall come near the mountain when the trumpet sounds, but not touch it. That's the point. And so Moses came down. Give me your attention. He came down. He told them all that God said to do. The people were very compliant. We just read that. And they said, we'll do all that God is calling us to do. Then Moses went back up and told the Lord what the people said. Verse 10 says that God said, Moses, go back down again and sanctify the people and let them wash their clothes and get ready for the coming of the Lord in the sight of all the people and put some boundaries around the mountain so that the people don't come close. Because if you touch the mountain, They will be put to death, man or beast. 
So when they hear the trumpet in verse 13, God says, I will come down in a cloud and the mountain is going to be holy. Why? Because God is there. And wherever God is, it's holy ground. Amen, saints? So it's going to be holy. And if they touch that mountain or even a foot sets on it, they will be killed. Look at verse 14. So Moses went down. Moses is probably sweating by now. He went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready the third day. That's important, saints. And do not come near your wives or remain celibate. And then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was thunder and lightning and thick clouds on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain and Mount Sinai was completely in smoke, not volcanic, in smoke because the Lord descended upon the mountain in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Notice Moses went back up or back down, pardon me. And the people sanctified themselves and washed their clothes. And Moses said, be ready and set yourselves apart and don't come near your wives Or in other words, be celibate. And then notice in verse 16, it came to pass on the third day that there was thunder. Now you want to remember, keep in mind, saints, Moses told them that this would happen on the third day. So can you imagine the anticipation? Listen, the anticipation that the people must have felt. Day one, day two, day three. And all of a sudden, honey, Did you hear that thunder? Did you see the lightning? Did you see the thick cloud and the sound of the trumpet? The Bible says was very loud. And remember, there are two and a half million people in this valley area. So that is an awesome, loud trumpet sound. And Moses brought the people out. And I'm sure the people came out trembling because later, We find out, as we just read, pardon me, that the mountain is actually shaking. So there's darkness and there's lightning and the sound of trumpet is incredibly loud and all the people hear it. And Moses says, all right, guys, let's move out. And I just said to Moses, you first. I ain't going near that mountain. And so it's pretty scary. And Moses cried out to God and God answered him. Did you note that in verse 19? God answered him in front of the people. In verse 20, then the Lord came down upon the mountain of Sinai. We're going to finish up through the chapter. Thank you, Lord. The Lord came down upon the mountain of Sinai on the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. (laughs) Come back up. And Moses went up and the Lord said to Moses, go back down. I was looking this up in the Hebrew, and I just still don't get it. What's up with that? Go down and warn the people, lest they bring. <laughs> God told him to come up here only to say, Moses, come up here. Now, go down and tell the people this. It's like, God, you could have said that from, I'm down here. You could have said that. Okay. Go down and warn the people, lest they break through at the gaze 
uh, break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. And then the Lord said to him, away. Remember I told you Sunday? Quickly. God does not argue with you. Remember Paul? But God, they know that I'll kill folks and I'm, I'm a terrible Christian, terrible Pharisee, and I was killing them. And, and God said, depart. <laughs> and here I get the sense. Do you get the sense that God is telling Moses to go down and uh, go to the people and, and speak to the people? And then in verse 23, Moses, I get the sense that Moses is arguing, if you will. And, and Moses says, well, Lord, the people can't come up because, you know, you're the one who told us. You know, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said, I like that. Away, go. He didn't even argue. Get down and then come up. (laughs) You, this time, bring your brother with you. Okay. Get down. Come up with Aaron with you. But don't let the priest and the people Breakthrough to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. And so Moses, what did he do, saints? Went down to the people and he spoke to them. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.